we all have problems, don't we? We think, you know, we can't quite pay the electric bill this month, or maybe we've got a lot of work to do on the house, or our kids aren't doing well in school, or I just can't get the ear of the boss. I don't think I can get a raise. We just got loads of problems that come over us just about every day. But there is one overarching problem that is really the root of everything that we face. And that problem is called sin. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. And it's great to have you along as we study the Word of God together. We take our pastor's message, Pastor Tommy Metter, and we go through it and ask questions and do a little bit of a review and then come back and say, what can we learn and how can we begin to practice what uh, God has laid on our pastor's heart. If you would like to go back and listen to that message, feel free to go to YouTube and just look up Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina, and you will find his latest message at the top. And uh, also our praise and worship is on there as well. The, re the whole service is actually on there, but uh, if you want to listen to praise and worship, fine. The message you can fast forward or slide to uh, the slider till you get to, I don't know, uh, 40 minutes or so, and he'll be preaching at that point. So anyway, I uh, hope that you'll join us as we do that. If you're a Life Connection Group leader, of course, you are always welcome here. And all of our Life Connection Group people that listen, some of our care leaders listen, some of our assistant leaders, and uh, even some of our people that help put the information uh, when, when our, some of our teachers are missing and maybe absentee type situations where they help fill in the Fill in the gap, and we're so appreciative of you taking the time to listen. So as we do talk about conversations that connect, we're today going to be talking about sin. So I hope you'll turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 23 to 25. We'll briefly go over uh, the sermon, and then I uh, just want to, you to know that Pastor Tommy's sermon is also on paper, if you want to use that instead, or you can use my notes. It's on a single sheet usually, maybe a little more at times. So if you want to use that, feel free to do a summary of the sermon. But the main reason that we get together is so that we can discuss and fellowship and read the Word together and really go over the message and do questions and answers and try to really figure out uh, how the Word of God implies, what the Word of God implies, and how it applies to our lives. So I hope you'll join us as we do that. If you're normally not a listener and you'd like to be a part, and you don't know how to be a part, you'd like to get the materials and other things like that, just contact me, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and we will get you those materials by email. So just make sure that you do that at your leisure, and we'll get you on just as soon as you get me that email. All right, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25. Pastor Tommy started with the story of the Walmart in China and how uh, everybody has different different things that we do. And they had a, when you went into the Walmart, they actually had, looked like fish, but it was actually fish that you ate. And it was other things that were in, in there that were all in a, an aquarium, but you would pick them out and you would eat them. That's something that we don't ever do here in the United States of America. And if they came to our Walmart, they might not think, in China that we had a good Walmart because we don't have that type of a aquarium in there that they can pick their fresh fish for the night. But uh, we focus on differences so much where there's different cultures, different languages, different ways of doing things, south and north for 
or east and west or whatever it is, maybe rural and, and um, uh, uh, city, city dwellers. But we, we tend to focus on those things. But there is one thing that we all have in common. And apart from the grace of God, we are under the judgment of God. We're separated from God. That's a problem because apart from God's grace, every single person's destiny is hell. Are we convinced that that's humanity's problem? Are you, as a Life Connection Group leader, convinced that that's humanity's biggest problem? Because it is. It's not nuclear war. It's not global recession. It's not global, uh, global heating or global warming. It's not world hunger. Uh, it's separation from God. And you might point the finger out and say, you know, well, that's my problem. If I could get that problem to go away, life would be better. Whatever that problem is, we talked about them at the very beginning in the introduction. But your greatest problems are not the problems around you, it's the problems inside of you. And it's spelled with a, that letter in the middle, which is I, and that's sin. It's, it's really what, as I said, it's a foundation of every other problem that we have. So if we are not able to deal with our own sin problem, you will stand before a perfect, sinless God, the judge of the universe, and if you are not able to deal with it, you will be condemned to eternal punishment in hell forever. So if we're going to have effective gospel conversations, we have to learn how do we talk to people about their biggest problem, sin. And it is a tough conversation, but you can't, you know, we talk about we don't want to offend them, we don't want to offend them, we don't want to offend them. Well, we don't, but the gospel must offend because we're going to tell people the good news. It's got to start with bad news. So what we're going to do today is talk about the good news. There will be a little bit of, uh, excuse me, some bad news. But we are, we'll, we'll bring in the good news as well, the ways we can talk with others about their need for Christ. All right, first of all, we have rebelled against God. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, it's, it's pretty downhearted. I mean, man, I'm bummed. Because, you know, you have chapter 1, and it talks about these pagan Gentiles that were wicked. They rejected God. Uh, this holy and just God gave, created us so that we would worship him. We were created to bring honor and glory to God, but we did not do that, Romans 1.21. So instead of worshiping him, we rebelled. We, we refused to honor him, and now every person is under the wrath of God, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Now, if you're a Jew, you say, oh, man, we've got it together. We've got, we got the word. We've got, we, you know, we got the law. We've got, we got the temple. We've got, we got the presence of God, all those things. And uh, so you would, you, you would look out there at those pagans and you would say, oh, they're all a bunch of evil Gentiles. Thankfully, the Jews were far better off than the Gentiles, or were they? So what Paul does in chapter 2 and 3 is he addresses the Jews. The Jews thought they were spiritually superior, but here's what he says. He says, you have no spiritual advantage because of your ethnicity. You're as guilty before God as pagan Gentiles. Why? Because they had the law. So they take so that's why he Paul takes them back to their Old Testament to prove their sinfulness. Uh, and Paul, the master of debate, does an incredible job. Your own Bible, there he says, speaks against you. Your own holy book is the is the book that is speaking against you. So let's talk about sin. What is sin? Simply put, we talked about that at the very beginning. Sin is rebellion against God. So it's it's when we miss the mark. You remember Pastor Tommy talked about the target in, in his message, and he had the target up there. And anything outside of the bullseye is sin. It's what we call, when you repeatedly miss the mark, Romans 3.23 describes that as that we are 
uh, fall short of the glory of God. Now, you have to ask, why would humanity rebel against this good and loving God? Why, why do you think we would choose to intentionally miss what God would have for us and miss that mark, miss that bullseye? Because what it is is we are so self-centered and self-focused. We aim at another mark, the one we created. You know, we, we say, but yeah, I understand that's God's mark, but I want what makes me happy. And we, we get obsessed with ourselves. Uh, that's what the sin in the garden was all about. I don't want to worship God. I want to be God. He said, you will eat of the fruit and you will become like God's. Truth that you can think about is this. You think about you and what you want more than you think about God and what he wants or his will. We're far more obsessed with self than we are with God. And the essence of sin is that obsession with self. We're self-centered. I'll live for what I want instead of what God what God wants. We're self-indulgent. We want what we want, our desires of our heart. We're self-confident. I can do all things in my own strength. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. We're constantly trying to build self-esteem, trying to create self-importance. It's important because that sort of thing, you know. Instead of, I find my worth in Jesus. He's the one that builds me up. So in our obsession with self, what do we do? We turn to self-righteousness. We say, oh, I can be righteous myself. I can make myself right with God. And so what do we do? We, we, we embark on a, a journey to do all these self-work things. You know, we, well, if I just help enough people, across, uh, old ladies across the street, if I just help the homeless, if I try to save the planet, if, if I go to church enough, if I, and we have all these things, we can somehow make ourselves right. But the Bible tells us, God's standard ultimately shows us we do not measure up to a standard no matter what we do because in us there is no hope of self-righteousness. Uh, now, so we are all separated. Excuse me, we are all rebelled against God. But we have also uh, are separated from God. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. What that means is that sin has marred or tainted every part of our life. Nothing we can do can put us right in that right relationship with God because we have made ourselves the enemies of God according to Romans chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, you are enemies of God. If you're not living for God, you're living in opposition. We're separated from God. You know, God is more than, you know, when you mess up, you kind of call it a mistake. You say, oops, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. I shouldn't have thought that. But really, it's more, so much more than an oops. It's outright defiance. Enemy of God. You know, I know some of you and people that we know and maybe our child or maybe our grandchild or, or maybe it's our, us ourselves. You know, I hope it's none of our Life Connection Group leaders that don't understand this. Uh, but may, might very well be somebody in your Life Connection Group that doesn't. You know, that you say I, that they're not an enemy of God. I'm not that bad. But one sin, no matter how small, is, is we, that we might want to classify it is against an infinitely holy God and is infinitely serious before God and causes an infinite separation from God. One sin, any sin, involves looking in the face of God and saying, your law is not good, my judgment is better, your authority doesn't apply in my life, I'm above your jurisdiction and I defy you. A white lie? Yes. Stealing a paperclip? Yes. One single lustful thought? 
Yes. That's what's involved in one sin, and we've committed millions. What we think is a relatively minor issue is an infinitely major problem because sin separates us from God, and the truth is that's what we want. Because of our sin, our natural instincts to be as far away from God as possible. We want to be away from His holiness because His holiness reveals how sinful we are. By the way, that was the response of Adam and Eve. When they sinned, you know, they experienced that, that desire to be away from God. They, they went away. God, of course, rhetorically asked where they were. Of course, God knew where they were. But, but rhetorically, in other words, helping them to understand that they had separated themselves from him in the, him, him in the garden. So guilt is that God has given us a conscience. He's given us a sense of right and wrong. And so when you sin, you feel this guilt. I shouldn't have that, that idea. I shouldn't have done that. Or shame, that's we're humiliated. Shame is I don't like what you think of me because of my sin. So we separate ourselves from people when we sin, when we have sin in our lives because there's a shame and we don't want to be around God's people or people, the people of God. Uh, fear, you know, then we, we fear, we're afraid of consequences. So we live in fear as to what God's going to do or what God's going to allow or maybe what other people think of, of me. So do you see the irony? Sin, sin is the very thing that we pursue to give us joy, it's, it's, to give us that somehow we think is going to satisfy us. It, it gives us, somehow we think that it is sin that's going to give us purpose, but that's not the fruit of sin. What is the fruit of sin? It's para paralysis of guilt and shame and fear. That's the fruit, those three things. Guilt, shame, and fear. So what happens when we rebel against God, when we're separated from God, we're all dead without God. That's the third thing we look at in the message. We are all dead without God. Apart from Christ, we're helpless. The wages of sin is death. We get what we deserve, spiritual death. God is just. He's got to punish sin. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 is very clear. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead, dead, dead. Doesn't mean a little sick. Doesn't mean that somebody helped you out. It means, you know, that you kind of broke a leg and somebody had to help you with a crutch. No, as one, one man said, he said, God's not a crutch. He is a stretcher, and if he doesn't bring us into the kingdom, we don't get to go. We're completely unable to bring ourselves out of our spiritual death. Getting religious won't do it. It takes a miracle to escape spiritual death. That's the righteousness manifested, shown to us, that is apart from the law. Romans 3.21, and then he tells us that. And then Romans 3.24 gives us the miracle. All are justified. That means made right. By legal, by, as a legal declaration, by grace as a gift. You see, God put forward his son as the propitiation. That means the atoning sacrifice for you and for me. God's wrath was directed at us, but at the cross, Jesus willingly took the wrath of God and suffered, died, and rose so we could be redeemed. We are given life. That's the gospel. So, have you turned your self-obsession and turned to the one who can give you peace? the one who removes your guilt and shame and fear, the fruit of sin, guilt, shame, and fear. How do we walk about, uh, talk about sin with those who are far from God? Well, we walk through the first two circles. And by the way, get your book out. And uh, your people, hopefully they kept their books with them that were handed out last week. If they don't have one, I put some extras in the classes. Just grab one and, and go through those three circles. So we want to walk through the first, that God made this perfect world. And then God, man has broken the world through sin. 
and then you take those circles and you're able to open doors for conversation. It's very easy to talk about we live in a broken world. Then you can go back and say God made a perfect world, but man's broken it. Okay, so how do we do it? Speak with love, knowing that all are sinners, but all are made in the image of God. So it's a balance, isn't it? You know, we know that all are sinners, but we also know, yes, even the worst person that you can think of, the worst person in jail today, they are all made in the image of God. The person that I don't want to share the gospel with is the person that you need to share the gospel with. Uh, some people we give up on uh, and we wouldn't dare reach out to. Those are the kind of people. Every person has worth in the eyes of God and is uniquely created. Even that person you think is the most hardened sinner. Then speak of brokenness. You know, you can talk about the effects of sin, not only in the lives of individuals, but on the world. You know, when we see terrible things going on, these wars that break out and other things. We, I mean, we got a horrible war going on right now between Ukraine and Russia. And just think of the brokenness that, that is created as a result of the sin of man. Speak humbly, but not lightly. Okay, so... You know, I know we do the turn or burn thing, and I, some of us are comfortable doing that, doing that. But we can't gloss over sin. You know, if we're not going to do that, we can't really gloss over sin and pretend like it's not an issue. So when you speak to people about sin, speak about your own sin. You know, I've sinned. I'm, I've fallen short. I'm there with you. We're in the same thing together. We're we've been we are we are all dealing with that fruit of sin: guilt, faint, shame, and fear. Let's not reduce the gospel to simply asking Jesus into your heart or going to heaven. The only proper response to the gospel is to turn from sin. And then speak of desperation. You know, we only have one hope, and that's Jesus. We get, you know, all the self-help books and all the churches that are out there and, and then drugs and alcohol and problems and all those things, all those things are ways that people try to get restored, and they're all going to fail every single time. We have one hope, and it's the gospel. He is the only hope. The gospel for you is for you. The gospel is for some people in your life connection group. The gospel is for people that are outside of our church. The gospel is available, and we've got to tell them. The gospel today is this, that your sin is separated from you from God, but he, he has given you a gift in the death and resurrection of Jesus. All right, well, let's jump straight into the questions in Romans chapter 3. And uh, as we said, we're in 23 to 25. We're talking about a conversation of our, uh, our biggest problems. So how much time did you spend praying over your Oikos this week? All right, hopefully you've gotten those names listed out. You begin to pray. I pray as I'm driving a lot, pray for people as I see their houses when I drive by or I think of people in my family, I pray for them. And then what we need to do is we need to be looking for openings to share the gospel. Not just with those people. God can also open other doors. I do want to be clear about that. Here's what I want you to do, though, and you might want to talk about that. But then jump into number two. Right now, spend time in your Life Connection group praying for people that are in your oikos who are far from God. We need to spend time praying for them. Let's, change, let's pray for them by name. If you're not comfortable sharing both names for whatever reason, that's fine. Uh, but what I want our Life Connection groups to do is to change that. Pastor Tommy wants that as well. All right, let's examine the text. Uh, of course, uh, we're going to read through some of this passage. We're going to read more than just verses 23 to 25. Uh, first of all, we're going to read through verses 1 through 9. We talk about what is the advantages the Jew have, what is the benefit of circumcision, considerable in every way. Uh, 1 through 9, I think is what I said. But anyway, first they were entrusted with the very words of God. What then? 
If some are unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? Am I using um, a human argument? Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? For if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim, we say, let us do what is evil so that the good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. What then? Are we any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. All right. Now, what did the Jews think that they, why did the Jews think they were better than the Gentiles? And they, it, it's so funny because the reason that they thought they were better than the Gentiles is the reason that they were worse off than the Gentiles. See, the Gentiles actually have an excuse. They could say, well, we don't, we don't really know the truth. We, they could, you know, they somehow think they can claim ignorance. And many times uh, you've heard ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, it's the same for the, for the Gentiles. But the Jews knew more. And because the Jews knew more, they were more responsible. So Paul exposes their erroneous thinking, talking about verse 9 especially. Are we better off than they? For we have already been charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Why? Because they have the book. They have, the God. they have their God. They have the temple. They have their tradition. They have their history. They have all those things, and yet they are still sinners. All right, Romans 10, uh, 3, 10 through 18, and we're asking, what evidence of these verses do you see in your own life and in the world around you? So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that's just uh, terrible, Okay. There is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, so we have an understanding problem. All have turned away. We have a problem with turning away from God. We are worthless people. Uh, we don't do what's good. Our throats are an open grave. It talks, this is all talking about the way that we use our lips and our tongue and our mouths and our voices. Our throats are an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers, venom is under their lips. We talk badly about people. We curse. We're bitter. We say bitter things. I'm never going to get over my bitterness. Feet swift to shed blood. That's about violence and run. they ruin and wretchedness in their paths. Uh, they've not known uh, peace. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. They just do what they want. They don't care what God, God or his word says. So let them talk about. Maybe they can talk about their own life. And if uh, they're not willing to talk about that, then at least let them talk about other people that they know in the world around them, what they've seen maybe on TV, news media, social media, whatever. All right. Romans 3, verses 20 to 22. Let's read that. For no one will be justified in the sight, in his sight, that's God's sight, by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin, um, the knowledge of sin comes through the law. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. So, how does the law give a knowledge of sin? How does the law give a knowledge of sin? Well, the law tells us where we're wrong. Is that right? We know what the, what the right thing is to do. That's how it gives us a knowledge of sin. So if we know what it tells us to do is right, and what we shouldn't do, and what we should do, and we either don't do it or we do do it, then the idea is... We are the people that are responsible 
for what sin is, and we know it. So, why can't keeping all the rules of the law justify us? Well, number one, because we can't keep it. That's what the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because for all have sinned, all, all, and fall short of the glory of God. As we ongoing sin, it brings us away from the glory of God. All right, and that's Romans 3.23. What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? Remember when Pastor Tommy talked about that? If we fall short, we fall away. We, uh, we no longer want what God wants and do what God wants us to do. Uh, it's it's in this idea of intentionality. We, we intentionally miss the target. That's what's falling short of the goal. It, it's, it's that repeated uh, fault missing of the mark. Where we want, where we think we're doing the right thing, but we're maybe doing our own thing. We're moving away from God. All right. Well, again, how have you fallen short of the glory of God? How about go back and say how have other people fallen short of the glory of God? Maybe that. Uh, a lot of times, if if in pointed questions, if you're not getting an answer, a good way to kind of get them to answer, and you're going to hear their heart uh, when you say, well, "How have you seen other people fall short of the glory of God?" And then they're going to probably a lot of times describe themselves. All right, Romans 3, verse 24, talking about all that have sinned. They are justified freely by his grace. Isn't that cool? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. What does justify mean? Remember what Pastor Tommy said? It means that it is a legal transaction. It is a legal declaration of innocence, that we are justified. It is legally made that way. Um, why is this word so central to our Christian faith? Because God had to, uh, because of God and his, his desire to keep his, his ways and his, his, uh, his character, he has to punish sin. And the only way for us to not receive the punishment that we deserve is for us to be declared legally guilt-free. That's how we do it. It has to be a legal transaction. And that's exactly what God does for us. He gives us that legal uh, declaration. All right, um, how do we experience justification? Through faith in Jesus Christ. It's trusting in him as the one who took our place on the cross. Is that right? Of course it's right. He took our place. And because he took our place, we, when we believe that and we repent of our sin and turn to God through Jesus, it changes us. All right, um, number uh, Romans chapter three verse twenty-five. God presented him as the mercy seat at, as the mercy seat by His blood uh, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because of, in His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Now, what is redemption? Well, we talked about that. That's to buy back. The idea is to be bought back from from where we were, uh, and we actually are able then to. God paid the price for us. We often say, God paid our time. God paid the price on the cross for us, right? Um, so how has Jesus redeemed us? How has Jesus redeemed us? Well, of course, going back to the cross, he took our place on the cross. That's how he redeemed us. Um, why is redemption so central to the Christian faith? If we do not have redemption, if we... We could not have done it on our own. He had to pay the price for us. There was nothing that we could have done, ever done that would have brought us back to a place in a good relationship with God because we had purposely rebelled against him. 
All right, how does this passage help you think about how you share the gospel? Guys, if this passage does not help you understand, then I don't know what to do. Folks, we're all sinners by nature and by choice. We choose that lifestyle. But God in his mercy, God in his grace, Jesus died on the cross, took our place, bought us back through his death on the cross, through his son Jesus, and that uh, made justified us, made a legal declaration that I see no sin in this man. All right, let's apply the truth. What has your attitude typically been towards your own sin? A lot of times we kind of belittle it, don't we? We, we explain it away. We, we understand why we sin. But the sin of others, not so much. You know, we don't want to put that out the window. Now, some of us, you know, do. We, we want to excuse the sin of others. But let them talk about that. Do you have a tendency to compare your sin to the sin of others? Well, I think uh, we do. We, I, I'm always the one that says, well, I'm, at least I'm not as bad as old so-and-so, you know. Um, when I was a kid, I did that a lot. So what advantage do you have if you're less sinful than someone who commits murder or some other heinous sin? All right. So uh, I guess we're, we're, we, we don't have the, uh, we don't have the privilege of, of feeling that same freedom from sin if we come back. But you know, to somehow think that I am less sinful is actually probably uh, a nail in the coffin, not the other way around. People say, well, I haven't sinned enough to, have, to need forgiveness. But God's sin or God's forgiveness is available to everyone, everyone. All right, um, sin causes us to focus on ourselves and sin often manifests itself in self-indulgence and self-righteousness. So self-indulgence is doing those things that we want that make us feel good, right? That's that idea of whatever I want. And then, of course, self-righteousness that I'm going to do what I think is right, that I am important in and of myself, that I'm going to make myself right with God. That's the idea of self-righteousness. So how does self-indulgence, self-righteousness manifest itself in our lives? Well, they'll have to talk about that for themselves, but kind of maybe you can share a little bit about what you struggle with and then... Uh, then they'll jump back in. Number three, we have a dangerous tendency to view some sins as minor and less offensive to God. Well, that little white sin doesn't count. You know, I'm not an adulterer like you, whatever, you know, whatever the thing is, I don't use the Lord's name like you do. Um, but many, but they'll gossip and use their mouths as that open grave. Uh, as it talks about in Romans 3. Uh, many people think that if they are generally good and do not commit major sins, that God will accept them. But that cannot be farther from the truth. You know, there is, just because you don't have major sins, when people say that, you know, you ask them, have you ever sinned? They say, no, not really. And they're thinking of the big ones. I've never committed adultery against my wife or my husband. I don't steal things and I haven't murdered anybody. So as long as they haven't done those three things, then they're okay. So that is contrary to the truth of Scripture because it is any sin that is in rebellion against God that is sin. And when we stand before a holy, righteous, infinitely truthful and righteous God, we will have no word to say. All people, number four, are made in the image of God. As such, all people deserve inherent uh, dignity and respect. As we communicate with unbelievers about the sinfulness of man, why is it essential that we demonstrate respect and care for people? Because they're all made in the image of God. That's why. Yes, they're all sinners, but they're all made in the image of God, and they deserve our respect. And by the way, we were all there at one point. Don't forget that. Somebody cared enough and loved us enough to demonstrate what it meant to be a follower of Christ. 
Uh, okay, and the second part of that question, what effect does disrespectful behavior such as gossip have on our gospel witness? When we live that way, people don't want to hear what we have to say. You know, we talk about that Jesus has delivered us, Jesus has bought us back, Jesus has forgiven us of our sin, and we go out and act the same way and do the same things and act like idiots in front of the world, especially talking about people and tearing people down. Man, people don't want to hear what you have to say. You're using that mouth to gossip and you're going to use your mouth to tell me about what, what relationship I can have with Jesus Christ? I don't trust you. Number five, think about the three circles, gospel presentation that we're learning. Based on your understanding of Romans 3, 23, 25, how can you use the, three, the, the truths of this passage to share the gospel? So what we want to do is each of these truths, we start with um, that God provided this perfect world and that God then, that man then broke the world. So this is all about the brokenness part of that and how we try to get back with self-righteousness and all these other things, obsession with self. And, and uh, when we get, try to get back to God, we have no, tr no help except through the gospel. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is his life, perfect life, and that he lived the perfect life, died the, died the death we deserve, and rose again the third day to be our Lord and Savior. All right, so then uh, respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do in response to Romans 3, 23, 25? How Romans 3, 23 to 5 inform the way you pray this week? And then please end with this question, something along the lines of... Um, uh, who is that person this week that you can start a gospel conversation? They might not be ready to share the gospel yet in your Life Connection group, but at least they can start a gospel conversation. Have you ever thought about why our world is so broken? You know, things like that, and get them talking, all right? Continue to pray. That's the, what you need to do this week is continue to pray. Add people to your prayer list and look for gospel opportunities so you can start gospel conversations. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your opportunity, uh, your excuse me, your your uh, uh, faithfulness in listening. And or I thank you, for, I thank you for the opportunity to pour into your lives a little bit through our audio study guide. And if there's any way I can help you, of course, you can always contact me. I do want to say one thing, and that is make sure that your notebooks get outside the classes. It's much easier for us to find them, and we don't have to kind of search around. So if you just kind of lean them up against the wall. Uh, when you're done, when you walk out, that would be awesome. All right, guys, let me pray for you, and we will go. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of the cross. Lord, that even though we were sinners, Jesus died for us and gave us, to give us eternal life. And when we look at this broken world, there's a broken world that desperately needs Jesus. May we be those people that are doing the things we need to do to accomplish the things we need to accomplish so that Christ might be glorified and honored. Jesus' name we pray, and their lives might be changed. Amen.